on the Rebel Sports Network from Learfield. Live from Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Welcome to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming, Be Connected, proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer-driven. Now, here are your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry. We're at Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Uh, Happy New Year. Hope you're doing okay. Hope you're healthy. Unlike uh, a lot of folks around right now, everybody dealing with Omicron, it seems like, but uh, hopefully getting through it and getting through it unscathed and getting ready to move on to the rest of the year. I'm John Sandler, along with Curtis Terry and the head coach, Kevin Kruger, talking Runner Rebel basketball. The Runner Rebels, uh, fingers crossed, hopefully getting ready for a home game next Tuesday against New Mexico. This The game that was originally scheduled for yesterday at San Jose was postponed. The game that was scheduled this weekend up at Air Force was postponed, both due to COVID concerns. Uh, and now the, the hope is that uh, we'll be able to get the game in on Tuesday night against the Lobos at the Thomas and, and Mac, and then move forward through the schedule from there. And That'll be our first question and to the head coach, Kevin Kruger. Coach, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's a strange, strange time. Uh, first question is, what are you thinking about Tuesday and, and the Lobos and the likelihood of us uh, being able to watch the Runner Rebels? Uh, yeah, we've pretty, pretty much been told we'll play uh, So by the conference. And uh, so I expect and hope uh, that everybody that's uh, healthy and can get out there safely and cheer them on. I, I don't know who will all be out there. Uh, can't make any promises on that, but uh, we've been, uh, how do I say it? We've been uh, pretty much told we're playing uh, regardless. So, uh, And we'll have guys out of, out of protocol, but um, the biggest difference from last year to this year, I think, you know, last year when you had one or two, uh, there was just a definitive amount of time that was missed, and they could come back on date X. And as everything has changed, with some people being able to participate, uh, vaccinations being in the uh, a part of the return process, uh, it's not as simple as that this year. So uh, you might come out and and see all you know fifteen running rebels, and you might come out and see seven or eight. Not sure. And I know we can't get into too many specifics because of a variety of things, but it's safe to say that the the the, uh, the rebels are dealing with a pretty broad. Uh, number a pretty large number of people uh associated with the program who've been impacted yeah without naming anybody specifically you know the, the conference put forth uh, a protocol or a requirement for for participation and we don't meet it we have enough people in our program and on our team that have the covid concerns to where we actually don't have enough to field a team right now so that's why we're not able to play uh saturday the game what, I don't, whatever today is, the game versus San Jose. That was yesterday. Yesterday was, uh, was postponed that? a while ago. Yeah. So, uh, But, yeah, I think the decision was made yesterday morning for Air Force um, as uh, we just kind of slowly fell off one by one. <laughs> so yeah. uh, we're at where we're at. Yeah. And, Curtis, can you imagine having to deal with this? You don't, know, you don't know if you're playing, who you're playing, when you're playing. It is crazy. No, John, this is, I mean, it's, it's out of control. Like Kevin said, whatever day today is, that's how kind of how I'm living. Um, but I've, I've never had a job where I've had to be on call, but I, I imagine this is what it would be like. Um, like whether you're a nurse or you're a police officer or somebody in public service and you're on call or a server or a waitress and, hey, can you work tonight or this afternoon? Because 
it's kind of how, how we're living, it feels like, with the basketball yeah. in terms of games getting postponed. Um, but, Coach, has there been any consideration or thought about opening up tryouts on campus to see if we can get emergency 10-day scholarship <laughs> players? We haven't. That would be a good idea. I'm not sure if bringing a whole bunch of people into a gym during COVID would be the answer, but we could try it. I'm all for it. If anything, it could be entertaining. Oh, it definitely would be some fun. Yeah, and do it outside. Do it. You know, set up a hoop in the parking lot. It's another beautiful day in Vegas, there so there's no, nothing wrong with getting outside. But uh, I think that, honestly, I think the adults have a harder time with the uncertainty than the, than the guys do. And, you know, especially after last year. They dealt with it last year. They're used to, uh, you know, audibles being called in the middle of a day. Uh, might play tomorrow. We're going to play somebody different tomorrow. And, and I think, uh, you know, the, the older people, that we're, we're more used to the structure and we're more used to, you know, the routine yeah. and the pattern, uh, have a little bit harder of a time with it uh, than they do. Yeah, and I mean, you know, great for them and and you guys adjust it's kind of the way you got to do it all right that's enough COVID talk we'll uh we'll move on to a few other things uh had to get that out of the way uh, I, I guess that's enough from COVID in the back yeah. for sure <laughs> well, let's let's move on to to some some new news that uh that uh has happened since the last time we talked to you UNLV now has a, a full-time athletic director as Eric Harper had his title, uh, had the interim taken off, as they say, and is now the, the full-time athletic director at the yeah, University of exactly. Las Vegas. Clap it up for Harp. Uh, yeah, um, you know, being the longest tenured uh, rebel as well in the athletic department. So, uh, you know, another face that's that's been around and, and seen UNLV um, through the last handful of years. And, and I think, uh, you know, Harp's got an approach that, uh, you know, whatever needs to be done will get done and we'll uh, we'll – kind of have that underdog mentality and go fight and uh, try our best to to get what's needed and, and go from there. It's an incredibly difficult, challenging, and important time uh, to be running a Division One college athletic program. So much has changed and so much is going to change over the next couple of years. You've got the whole you know name, image, likeness thing going on. You've got the transfer portal uh, situation going on. You've got <clears throat> changes in the television contract and all the finances in, in college athletics. And, uh, you know, good luck to him because it's, it's not going to be easy. No, I would imagine it's hard enough just keeping up with conference realignment, uh, TV deals, you know. And then uh, the, after you do all of that and, and work on all of that, you've got to, you know, you've still got all your sports and your coaches and your student athletes. And uh, it, I'm sure every day is pretty, uh, pretty packed. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you just can't imagine how the job description changed over the last couple of years. And, and, and you know, it really has to have. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, something that, as you mentioned, it's it's probably a lot different job than five years ago, certainly 10, 15, or 20. But um, I, I think, uh, you know, coming into it as an athletic director now, it would be I would, on the basketball side of it with the portal and, and alignment and everything, it, it could be a good time to be getting into it now versus having been in it for 20 years and, and learning a certain way. And, and this way we can kind of go uh, start fresh day one. Uh, type of approach. And it's a great perspective. The thing that, that happened well, since we were gone is Rebels played a conference game. And I uh, got to open a conference play against, uh, we, we talked about it, against the, the king of the hill and battled and, and did everything and, and led for a good portion, played really well early uh, and just kind of ground got ground down and San Diego State kind of showed who they were. But uh, I know you were, you were happy with the fight and, and you know I know you feel it's something good to build on. No, absolutely. I think uh, you know, it was great for our guys to also have a, a, an opportunity to experience uh, 
we were doing we had an unbelievable game defensively against San Diego State. They shot 34% from the field, nine made field goals in the second half. You know, and we talked about, you know, the rebounding. That was going to be the key to the game. We felt that we could, you know, our our foundation was good enough defensively to guard them. When we sat down locked in and uh, and were communicating with each other defensively, we were really good. Um, but where we struggled was on those defensive rebounds and you know, I think uh, San Diego State, they made an adjustment. They, they kind of, they weren't realizing, or they realized the shots weren't probably falling like they were used to, so they put in a, a heavy emphasis on crashing the offensive glass, and, uh, and that's really what turned the game. We had done a really good job making a, forcing them to first shot misses. We just uh, couldn't come up with enough rebounds to, to kind of get the game going in our direction. Yeah, and Curtis actually started talking about how their offense turned into just throwing a ball at, you know, at the rim and, and then go get it. It, it. it had nothing to do with trying to make a shot. Yeah, figuring the flow of the game, you kind of figure out what works and what doesn't work. I mean, at some point, I feel like Coach Dutcher was like, guys, just chuck it up at the rim or the backboard and go get a rebound. Um, and I, I, I tried to I mean, that's like tongue-in-cheek, but that's who San Diego State has been over the last 15 years in this conference. I mean, they're a very good offensive rebounding team. Uh, but like Coach Kevin just said, I mean, we played a hell of a game defensively. I mean, probably the, the best game we played defensively uh, this year, obviously, probably over the last couple seasons. Um, unfortunately, like you said, we just weren't able to get enough rebounds, finish enough plays, and on the other end, just weren't able to complete enough plays offensively. But definitely proud of, of the effort the guys put out there. Uh, the one thing I hate is that now you, you shut down for a couple of days and you don't get to build on that momentum. But uh, hopefully we can get back to it and, and, and bring that defensive effort with us next time whenever that is we get out on the court uh it, it looks to be tuesday against new mexico so what have you been doing to try to try to kind of do what curtis was saying and and keep that momentum afloat without actually being on the court yeah we well we've only got a couple guys so uh the guys that are there we talk to and and they work out and they still have access to the facilities and the guys who aren't we a lot of phone calls some facetimes uh you know if a coach thinks of something we'll we'll send it to him through a text, uh, kind of talk about it that way, uh, just random thoughts, ideas. But unfortunately, there's just really not a lot you can do right now. Yeah. Um, Zooms are, are tough uh, to have a whole team locked in through an entire Zoom uh, if, if you're going to treat that like game film or watch game film uh, with that. But um, uh, this is one group, again, they, they love being in the gym. They like playing. They like each other. So uh, I think as much as building off the momentum, the, the hard part is they had to step away from everything for – five days and uh and kind of almost take a step back when they were you know the even though they weren't happy with the result you could you you could sense that they they've seen where they've gotten better and they uh, now putting it up against san diego state you know a top 10 defensive team and a top 30 team overall ken palm was uh it was a good fight for him it really was and and uh you hope that they're able to to gain some confidence from it and 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 then as as we said kind of use that going forward despite the the delay have you made the transition in terms of, of you guys, the coaching staff, and preparing? Obviously, you had to shift from getting ready for Air Force, which is a whole separate world, and then shift to the next opponent already and, and start getting ready for New Mexico? Yeah, you do. You, uh, once you learn that game is uh, postponed, uh, you pretty much it, – it's kind of a weird thing because there, we'll all have a manila folder that we'll, Saxon will put together and – you just you pick it up and you throw it away because there's because the next time you play them everything's gonna be different their last three opponents will be different the last five games statistically will be different 
uh, where they're at in their season, who's injured, who's not, what they're running. Well, Air Force is different because they're not going to run anything different. But, you know, all of that changes. So you just pick it up, you put it in the trash, you slide the other Manel folder over, and you start reading that one. So and then that kind of leads into the, that, that process for game prep. So Will is the guy who's kind of in charge of getting the initial uh, material together, and you guys begin to dissect it. Yeah, so Will Saxon, if you don't know, recruiting slash video coordinator, um, he gets all the film to whichever coach is designated to each scout. He uh, gives them everything they need. They put together a, a scouting report and a plan. The hard part about it is, and even knowing learning last year as an assistant, if, if you're 14 days away from a game, you might not be done. You might not be fully prepped. And then all of a sudden you, you walk into the office the next day and you're not playing them 14 days later. You're playing them maybe eight and they're your next opponent. So things can turn and all of a sudden you kind of scramble a little bit. But again, it goes, everybody understands what's going on. You do what you can with what you have available and, and you just kind of do the best you can from there. It's uh, hitting the curveball, and that's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of all it is. Uh, New Mexico, the, the Rebels' next opponent, is a, a team that had as tough a time last year as, as anybody, and uh, they've got new coach and, and new players and uh, a whole new regime. It seems to be going a bit better, and uh, they'll pose quite the opposition for the runner Rebels on Tuesday night. Well, absolutely, and you know we, we tell our players a lot, and I, and I don't mean this to sound as, as mean as it kind of comes across, but, like, nobody cares. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> like, and I don't mean that, like. Yeah, you do. I don't mean that, like, if you, if you don't feel well, nobody cares. I mean, if we have two players injured, nobody cares. If we have three guys out with COVID, nobody cares. And nobody dealt with a harder season last year in the country that played a season than New Mexico. Right. They did not go to, back home. Yeah, they and were they, outside of the state of New they Mexico. They were outside of the state of New Mexico, I think, for like 75 of 90 days at one point, playing in, in, at Lubbock Christian, playing and just finding places they could play just to have a season. So, uh, but again, people are sitting around right now, and it, that's not what the, what's highlighted from last year. It's, it's that they, they struggled, and they made a coaching change. So, um, but, yeah, we, our guys will understand, having battled through the a COVID year last year, that uh, this will be a team that's, that's not the same as last year. They'll be, they'll be ready. They'll be better rested. <laughs> they'll have no doubt. more prepared, uh, you know, being able to sleep in their own beds, get ready for road trips. So uh, I think uh, UNLV and New Mexico have had a, had a good rivalry now for a long time. So I think the guys will be ready. Well, we're going to touch on that a little bit because uh, we're going we're gonna to – take advantage of the fact that we've got some time and, and, and nothing pressing to talk about that's any fun. And we're going we're gonna to revisit uh, a, a little bit of history with you two and just kind of let you go after it as we're going to talk a little bit about the 2006-2007 Runner Rebel season, 32 wins, Sweet 16, uh, a, a top 20 ranking, and uh, a, a magical year all the way around. We'll get to that when we come back in our next segment. I want to remind you that EOS is a better gym with a better price. EOS Fitness proud partner of UNLV Athletics. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. All right, back at Bailiwick, Kevin Kruger Radio Show here at the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Great food and drink. If you're driving around, happen to be over near Trop or Flamingo on the west side of town, come on over. Uh, Terrific place to hang out and uh, talking Runner Rebel basketball. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, head coach Kevin Kruger, Runner Rebels likely to play Tuesday night at the Thomas and Mac against New Mexico. Uh, tomorrow's game against Air Force postponed, but uh, hopefully back in it 
uh, on Tuesday against New Mexico. But what, as I said before the break, we're going to take advantage of uh, the opportunity and talk uh, about uh, the year that you two guys, uh, Curtis Terry, Kevin Kruger, you shared on the court here at UNLV as players, and uh, what a magical, magical year that was. Uh, CT, you were coming back for your junior season. Uh, you, you knew that uh, things were getting better and better. Wink was a sophomore. Wendell White uh, was, was going to be a senior and probably was going to speak to someone his senior year. Uh, he, uh, he was awfully quiet, and you knew how good he could be uh, and had a chance. Uh, you know, Joel was going to be a senior. I don't think any of us knew how good Joel was going to get to be. Uh, Mike Ume, a senior. Uh, all of those guys coming back, and, 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 then, and then this skinny kid showed up at the beginning of the year, and uh, things, things got a lot better at that point. Yeah, and before a we get, lot better. Yeah, a lot, but before we get too far down memory lane, just want everybody here to know and people listening that we'll, we'll coin or term this part of the segment of the show, hashtag nobody cares. Um, just talk about what we did in the past. Um, this is that programming when a game is canceled. Yeah, right? You're trying to fill you, some stuff? Yeah. Back to the studio. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was good. It was... Um, it, I woke up one day and had a couple text messages, and it was from Kevin. Um, and I, I've told this story hundreds of times. You guys probably tell it better than I can now. But it, I thought, we're, hey, we're, this is what time we're going to play pickup, or the gym got changed or something like that. And it was more of a kind of like asking you out on a first date. Hey, man, do you mind if I come and join you guys? And I was thinking, yeah, we're going to play pickup this time. But it was deeper than that. Um, but no, once, once we got Kevin on board with that group, I mean, it changed everything. Uh, for the better, obviously. Uh, some guys sacrificed in, in terms of their role on the team in minutes. Um, but I don't think anybody really cared at the end of the day because of the, the ride that we went on and the fun that we had during the course of that season. I went to Chicago, going to St. Louis. I mean, it was the best times of our life. We were just talking about it with former uh, UNLV football player Bo Orth. College was the greatest times of our life there. I mean, hey, it doesn't get any better. Um, but, no, it was a lot of fun. And it's all because Kevin, obviously, was lucky enough to be Lon's son. And so we got to bring him over from, from one desert to the next desert to join us on the team and, and take us on a magical ride. It was great. And, and I mean, getting a chance to watch all those games and, and watch what happened through the season was really fun. It was, a, it was an interesting roster, uh, you know, starting, as I said, with all the, with the seniors, Wendell and Kevin and, and Gaston Asenge and, and Mike Ume, uh, Joel Anthony, who went on to have such a great uh, NBA career. Uh, but, you know, Joey Darker. Uh, was a sophomore on that team. Um, Corey Bailey had joined the team and, and was a junior. Didn't really make his big impact until the following season when he helped the Rebels to their second consecutive Mount West Conference tournament crown. Um, Matt Shaw, and of course, you know, the uh, the dead eye off the bench, Scotty Hoffman, uh, was, oh, was a, a, played a big role on that team. And let me throw something in there real quick. We got to give a shout out to former uh, running rebel Michael Ume. He actually, his son, he just had a son born on New Year's Eve. Oh, wow. So shout out to Mike Ume and his wife. Congratulations. For, for a new, uh, hopefully, future running rebel and not a Houston Cougar. Um, <laughs> that was yeah. all. Absolutely. And Houston was one of the stops on that season. Uh, Kev, you remember, how was it coming in that season? Obviously, uh, had to de- you know, it was a unique situation at the time because it was the first grad transfer uh, under those rules uh, that had happened. Uh, how was it uh, the early days for you in that? Well, luckily I was the coach's son, so I had a spot to go to, <laughs> like, as Curtis pointed out. But uh, I knew the guys, so it was a, it was a little different maybe than than the first day as a freshman. Um, and then, of course, knew the staff for a long. You know, knew Coach Grinsing since I was three years old, Steve since I was three years old. So uh, 
it was a little bit different having spent some time in the summer with the guys and, and following their games uh, even when I was at ASU. But uh, it, it did. It seemed to, to gel pretty quickly. And, you know, older group, guys were on the same page. And, uh, and things got, uh, you know, it was comfortable. And you guys got off to a good start. You won your first two games. You beat Hawaii, you beat Eastern Washington, then a little stumble against UC Santa Barbara. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, kind of finding your roles and finding finding uh, the balance on the team, uh, not dissimilar from what we've seen during the non-conference for this year's run of Rebel team. No, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, this year's team schedule is probably a little overall more challenging uh, than our group, but... Yeah, the guys have, have, have competed and fought and, and kind of learned each other and, you know, just throw them, threw them to the fire a little bit. And, and, but they've, they've continuously gotten better. You know, even if we, we took a, a one on the chin, you know, we, they learned from it. They, they adapted. They've adjusted. And uh, so and I also did not play in that UCSB game, just for the record. Okay, yeah. so. And for the sake of storytelling, that non-conference schedule in that 6 7 season was head and shoulders tougher than what these guys <laughs> oh, were. Oh, God. Just want to let that be known. Well, you did go to Arizona, who was nationally ranked at the, the time, and, and, and took one on the chin there. But I, I tell you what, I, I really started to think that the team could be something special when you played Reno. And back then it was not a conference game. It was a non-conference game. But you played Reno up there. And you took it to them. You shut them down completely. They were nationally ranked. They were ranked in the top 20. And uh, you held them under 50 points, and you won the game up there. And, and I think that was the first time maybe when, when everybody started to think, hey, this, this could be kind of fun. Yeah, I think that team, it, that team was just really good defensively. You know, uh, Nick Fizikas at Reno, uh, Ramon Sessions, who played in the NBA for 10, 12 years. Uh, I mean, Kemp, right. uh, JaVale McGee came off the bench. For that group, uh, uh, they were really good. They were really good, but uh, I do remember going up there and, and leaving that game thinking, uh, you know, we're we're pretty solid defensive group, and and uh, we seem to be clicking on all, all cylinders that night. And if I'm not mistaken, they had graduation that day. I feel like so we couldn't. Was that yeah. the year we couldn't have shooter on there? Yep. So we actually flew up the morning of the game. I believe so. Um, so it was a little funky. And and even though aside from somebody missing a wide open layup, we were still able to come out of there being pretty confident <laughs> that we we're going to have success on the season. Now that's a story I've heard you tell a few times. Absolutely right. Uh, after that, a uh, couple of relatively easy games. And then a game I will, I will never forget when we went to Lubbock, Texas. Rebels, uh, during the rodeo, had to go down to, to Texas. Actually, it was after that. It was late December. Uh, and it was Bobby Knight was the head coach at the time. And it was his first opportunity to win his 800th game. And I assume you guys were aware of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the hotel was packed. with uh, When we were walking to the bus, we had a couple families come. I remember it clear as day and tell us they had drove from Bloomington. Uh, just to see Coach Knight win that game, and so I, I remember that uh, you know it was, that that was the theme. We were just kind of there to you know punch the ticket and and uh, have a celebration with Coach Knight and and move on. Yeah, and I, I remember when we got to the arena, the uh, their associate AD gave me a tour of all the different places they were going to have celebrations uh, after the game. Which, I mean, first of all, is odd that they show you do anything for you before the game as a broadcaster. But secondly, I mean, so what? And you guys didn't exactly cooperate, did you? No, but I'm trying to figure out how as parents, because that game was, I believe, on December 30th. December 28th. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. So as parents, how do you say, hey, kids, Merry Christmas. We're going to road trip from Bloomington down to Lubbock, Texas. Well, 
Okay. Indiana's a little different yeah, with the whole yeah, basketball thing. I guess thing. so, but hey. Yeah. They um, wear those striped pajamas, you know, how that, would, that is. Uh, but you guys certainly didn't cooperate, and uh, you spoiled the party and, and really kind of controlled the game throughout. 74-66 was the final uh, as the runner Rebels won down there. That was, that was a lot of fun. I remember that very, very clearly. Uh, after the game, was there any mention of spoiling the party? Uh, I do remember we, we went out and did the post-game interview with Dick Vitale, and I can't remember who he was there with, but there definitely seemed to be a little bit of, of uh, <laughs> contempt for us. They had, they had a plan. They had everything lined up. And uh, he wasn't overly enthusiastic that, that we had won. But uh, You guys wrecked everything. Yeah, no, the, the suits at ESPN definitely were not happy with the, with the way that game ended up. Well, and all the coaches that had flown in, Coach Alford, who was a head coach at the time, flew in just for that game. I mean, all these guys that were flying in, uh, just to see that game, so, uh, but I think uh, that probably that probably added and, and made Tech a little tight. Uh, you know everything probably. that was going on. So, uh, uh, good thing we took advantage of it. So you guys win that game. You, we went to Houston, followed that up, and, and won a very strange game up at the old Hoffines Pavilion. A game where they kind of just rolled the balls out on the court, and you guys did whatever you wanted. Uh, and that really ended the non-conference schedule. You guys were thirteen and two. You'd won nine in a row. And, uh, and, and life was pretty good. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, the conference schedule of that 32-win Sweet 16 season as uh, we uh, reflect back, taking advantage of the opportunity here on the Kevin Kruger Radio Show. I want to remind you, Finley Chevrolet is located in the southwest at 215 in South Rainbow, Nevada's number one Chevrolet volume dealership. Frankly, they're customer-driven. Back with more Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Welcome back. Kevin Kruger Radio Show here at Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, and head coach Kevin Kruger talking uh, Runner Rebel basketball. Runner Rebels hoping to get back in action Tuesday night. Looks like uh, that's when it will happen uh, against New Mexico at the Thomas and Mac. That's Tuesday night. And then Friday night, uh, everything works out. It's uh, Fresno State. So two Mountain West Conference games next week on the schedule for the Runner Rebels. Uh, but right now we're, we're – uh, Looking back at uh, the 2006-2007 Sweet 16 season with uh, two of the, the primary participants, Kevin Kruger, who is now the head coach of UNLV, of course, and my broadcast partner, Curtis Terry. Uh, we, we got through the non-conference schedule, and uh, back with, this is back when Utah was in the conference and the Rebels open uh, Mount West Conference play, feeling good, winners of nine straight, 13-2, and two, and got the big bad Utes coming to town, and you guys had that game, Kevin. It, it, it was a battle. It was a high, fairly high-scoring affair, and you had that game. It was, it was pretty much locked up. I know you were watching it, and you felt you had everything right there in regulation, didn't you? We did. We had a, uh, a two-point lead late, a great situation. We had you know, guarded them well. We were executed the game <laughs> plan, and then uh, somebody to my left who will remain named, unnamed uh, fouled a three-point shooter from about 40 feet, and... To the kid's credit, he missed the first and made the next two to go what eventually I think became double overtime. It did become double overtime. And, uh, you know, how different things could have been had uh, he made all three and we would have started the conference season with a loss. But I guess Kurt knew what he was doing. So he... Mm, Ball don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> as the kids say. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, at that stage, opening after what we did on that road trip, uh, souring Bobby Knight's celebration, coming home, opening the conference season, I'm sure there's some people that were there. You guys enjoyed the free basketball, right? I mean, 
overtime once, twice, get a win, keep it moving. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, somebody, one of the, uh, was it Robert, who got hit with a uh, beer bottle? Do you remember that? So, yeah, that was a little crazy night. Some, a fan that threw, a, threw a beer bottle from the stands. From the upper deck. Yeah, and hit one of the ushers. And yeah. hit an usher in the head, yeah. split his head open. There was something in the air that night. Everybody was going, losing it. Going well, crazy. they were they were mad because they the, they thought the game was won in regulation, and they got they got all pissed off because they had to sit around for two extra overtimes. Yeah, the buzz was wearing off on the student, <laughs> and he uh, launched his beer bottle. But, yeah, that was, a, that was a wild game, and it was it was a wild way to start the Mountain West for sure. So the Rebels uh, get the victory in double overtime over Utah, 97-94, and they won their 10th straight. And then you go to Kloon Arena. And it, it, at that time, in 2007, that, that was not the, the relatively easy win, relatively easy, that it became for a few years uh, in, the, in the mid-2000s. This was a really good Air Force team. They were ranked 20th in the country when you guys played them, and uh, it was just too tough. Are you saying playing Air Force at Air Force was a relatively easy win at one point? Relatively compared to this one, compared to when they were ranked twentieth in the country, I, it's never easy. No, I don't. I think I think we won there maybe once in the four years I played there. Yeah, we definitely didn't that year. That, that's for sure. Yeah, they won, They beat you fifty six fifty, and uh, then the Rebels uh, went. Well, that was the the time when we we'd go to Air Force and then or Colorado State and then to another school in the area. And this was Wyoming, and that was a bad night. Rebels lost. Kevin got hurt, and I don't. You, you missed what four games, something like that. Three or four. Three I or think, four yeah. games. Uh, Rebels lost to Wyoming. They were one and two in conference, and things were starting to look a little shaky. All right, giggle boy, what's up? Nothing. I'll let it go. Okay, good. <laughs> so you lose to Wyoming. Uh, you come back home, and you got to play BYU without Kevin, and uh, that's a tough task, regardless. Uh, but you guys got it done, eighty-three uh, seventy-five, and uh, I think that really kind of righted the ship. For, the, for that runner Rebel team taking on and beating BYU in that game. Yeah, I remember that we beat them. I don't remember the details of that game. Um, but, I, I mean, I, you, you always remember when you played BYU to some degree because it was a, not a love-hate. It was a hate-hate relationship back in those days in the Mountain West. Um, no, but I think each game that we played, even when we lost at, at Air Force, um, when Kevin goes down at, at Wyoming, each game I think we became a little bit more confident in what we were doing. And especially when Kevin sat out for those few games, well, we had to get him back healthy. I think everybody else took it upon themselves to step up and had to do a little bit more. And I think that's where our depth um, and our leadership and our, our just experience really kind of got us over the hump until Kevin was able to rejoin us because we didn't really miss a, miss a beat except for a couple extra three-pointers getting thrown up there. <laughs> well, you went to TCU and won. Uh, and, and, then, uh, and then I think Kevin came back for the San Diego State game at the Thomas and Mac. Now you were out for that one as well. Well, the Rebels won that one, uh, and uh, that, was, that was a huge win, a seven-point win over San Diego State. Uh, you, you, you go to 17-4. and four, You've won three in a row. Uh, you beat New Mexico in overtime at the Thomas and Mac, uh, and then you go to Colorado State. Uh, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to pinpoint when you came back that season. Was it at Colorado State? Uh, you win at Colorado State easily uh, against a Colorado State team that was rebuilding at the time. Then you go to BYU, and I think that was the game Mike Rose was making three-pointers from the mountains, actually. Uh, it was ridiculous, uh, and nothing good was going to happen then. And then you take on TCU back at the Thomas and Mac, and this, is, this was a historic night. I don't know that they keep this kind of record, but here's a highlight from that game at the Thomas and Mac. Gilling goes baseline, has a shot blocked and taken away by Gaston Osenge. He gives it to Kruger. Bounce pass, pass for May. Lays it up and in. What a pass, Kevin Kruger. 
Kevin Kruger throwing the length of the court bounce pass. Uh, that was actually uh, later in the That was against Colorado State. The, the highlight I was looking for was the one against TCU. If we have that, it's the four-point play. Joel, a couple of dribbles. Gives it back to Kruger. Kruger for three from the right side. Gets Again. down. Makes another one. A chance for another four-point play. That could be Kevin Kruger's second four-point play in the second half. Amazing. Two four-point plays in a half. You don't see four-point plays in a season. He had two and a half against TCU that night. That was uh, that'd be a lot of fun. Well, yeah. I mean, as Curtis mentioned earlier, I was really skinny and frail, <laughs> and so that was John that said got, skinny. Was it John? That yeah, said it was skinny? John. I started. I started with. I didn't say frail. You said frail. Curtis said frail. No, John said skinny. You said frail. So yeah, I fell down a lot. So uh, <laughs> you know that. You know. So uh, you know the two of them ended up going in. So. We'll take it. That was, that was a lot of fun. So the Rebels uh, win that game against TCU. They get the revenge game against Wyoming. Go down to San Diego State. Always tough in Viejas. They were, they were loaded for bear. They took care of the Rebels. Uh, uh, and, and, but you, came, you, you went up to Utah, and you got the sweep of, of the Utes to go 22-6 to, on the season. That's a big win up there. Yeah, that, that was always a tough one. Uh, you know, they were – they they were just a difficult matchup, so we we knew that going up against Utah, especially as the, at the return game, uh, I just remember they were they were in tune with each other. They were big, they were physical. You know, the Luke Neville, the seven foot Australian, yep. uh, in the middle, uh, solid guard play, and so to go up there and, and kind of take care of business the way we did at that time was it, it was really good for us as a group because uh, it showed that we were. We were locked in, dialed into the scouting report, dialed into each game, and, and we kind of understood what was at stake and what needed to be done to go get a really tough road win. Yeah, and you only lost two in a row uh, uh, only once during that season, and that's when you got hurt at Wyoming. Every time you needed a win, you got one, and you got one coming back home against that same Air Force squad. And I remember that. Air Force was ranked 14th in the country at that time. That's as high as they've ever been ranked, and they were high-flying, and, and you guys – uh, played a great game and, and got a 10-point win against Air Force. Do you remember uh, anything about that game against Air Force? I just remember the players that they had, Jacob Birchie, Dan Nawiley, yeah. um, sh- Tim Anderson, yeah. uh, Nick Welch had been Nick Welch. the conference player of the year two seasons prior before he tore his ACL. Yeah, and they were loaded for sure. No, they were and good. Just, and they yes, were really you just good. mentioned, John, that you said that we were at one point 22 and 6. 23 and 6 after that game. In hindsight, like I, that just blew my mind because it didn't – that sounds ridiculous, um, but it just goes to show how much we actually were able to achieve that season. Because I think we only lost, what, one more game the rest of the season? Yeah. And that was in the, the last NCAA one. tournament? That was the last one. So, I mean, hell, I'm, I wish we could go back and relive those days. And I know we're heading there again soon. No pressure put on coach. But, um, no, those, those were fun times. Because, again, we remember the wins. We remember, I mean, the, the, the little things between each game um, and the experience. But just overall big picture, just hearing you say that we were 22 or 23 and 6 at one point. Just it's 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 pretty damn cool to hear. Well, it got better because after the Air Force win against the number fourteen team in the country, you went down to the pit, and I remember the very last play of that game uh, against New Mexico. Uh, Kevin Kruger with a block in the corner. I remember. I mean, it was the the, the sight lines at the pit for the broadcasters are a little tough, especially uh, down in that far corner in front of the home bench. And all I remember seeing was the ball and the shooter's hand. And then this hand, this left hand, I believe, come out of nowhere and go up and deflect that shot. And you blocked that game-tying attempt at a three. So <laughs> come out of nowhere for the block. Yeah, I mean, this, <laughs> this frail, skinny guy over that's here. That's what you hear about me a lot. No, but, I mean, so that's one of those situations where, I mean, if he fouls him, that's just like right. the situation when I fouled the guy at 
at home against except, Utah. Except he wasn't doing it. But, but. but he didn't foul him, and he made a great defensive play. One of the many things he did as a leader for our team. But, no, that was a huge win. I mean, that's another place at the pit. You don't go down there and win many games. Um, but for us to be able to, to get that win and, and Kevin to make that defensive stop for us, and I think that led us into the conference tournament. Well, I actually remember, I actually remember during that, that part of that game, I don't remember the block in specifically, but I do remember the ball being kind of up for grabs and in the air. And I actually remember Curtis, like one of their guys, I, can't, I think it might have been Walters, was about to grab it, middle of the paint, and Curtis kind of just recognized that he was about to grab it and maybe make it, pass it out, whatever, and he just punched it all the way back towards yeah. midcourt. And it ended up being a huge play because that. if the guy grabs it and we foul him or if, or if the ball gets knocked out even uh, uh, under the hoop, now you're guarding a baseline out late in the game. So for them to have to go back to half court and kind of go from there uh, was a, really just a, an underappreciated part of, of, of that game because it was such a big uh, – a big deal to guard in a half court versus underneath at the end. Yeah, it was coach. It was it was great, and the, the block at the end of the game was was absolutely uh, tremendous. I, I still can see it. And the Rebels at that point, twenty four and six, heading into senior night. And Colorado State came; and they, had, they had no chance on senior night. Uh, Rebels uh, beat them by eighteen, uh, twenty five and six, heading into the Mountain West Conference tournament, and uh, a tough road in the tournament. Uh, and then and then postseason. We'll take another break. We'll talk about the postseason run of that team and also a little bit about uh, the schedule next week as we continue to discuss Runner Rebel basketball here on the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. All right, back here at Bailiwick. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, head coach Kevin Kruger, Runner Rebels, getting ready for their second conference game. Uh, Batting 500 playing games if uh, Tuesday goes forward. <laughs> Opened uh, with San Diego State. The uh, San Jose State game up there and the game at Air Force both postponed. But hoping and looking as if we'll get the New Mexico game in at the Thomas and Mac on Tuesday night. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But we're uh, kind of going down memory lane a little bit, talking about the Sweet 16 season, uh, the most successful season of the 21st century thus far for the Runner Rebel program. Uh, we've gotten through, the, gotten through senior night and heading into post, uh, postseason play. Uh, you guys are going into that, uh, that Mountain West Conference tournament which at that time and for, from, from basically from that year for the next three or four or five years, uh, everybody around college basketball who had a clue said that the Friday night, that semifinal day night of the Mount West Conference Tournament was the best two-game set of college basketball on the calendar because typically it was the Runner Rebels, New Mexico, San Diego State, BYU. Those four teams typically were the four in the final Occasionally, Utah would jump in there or someone else. Uh, and it was just fantastic basketball. And, and that year was no exception. You guys played Utah in the first game, and you, you, you beat them 80-54. Uh, to 54. Uh, Were you surprised? Do you remember the game, Kev, Curtis? Uh, I, I actually do. Uh, I just remember, you know, we were rolling. I mean, there's really, <laughs> there's really no other way to say it. We were, we were feeling really good. We were playing really well. Everybody was healthy. Uh, everybody was comfortable in what they were doing. And uh, we had gotten through all the you know, kind of the awkward growth, you know, throughout the season of, of roles and minutes and, and what your responsibilities are. So um, we, we, our senior night was, you know, I remember that one. It was, it was a game we, we controlled from start to finish, felt good, had fun. And, uh, you know, Utah, I think they had a little bit of a slide toward the end of their season. So we were coming in 
hot, feeling really good, and I knew they were struggling a little bit. So uh, we knew that game that if we could come out, you know, swing early, um, that we could have success against them, and I, that, that's pretty much what we did that night. And then a little bit of a surprise, you got Colorado State in the semis, uh, which, which was, as I said, a bit of a surprise, but you had just handled them. Did that give you the confidence that you were going to take care of business as well? It did. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Colorado State that year with uh, Stuart Creason, Jason Smith, uh, Xavier Kilby, they had, you know, two seven-footers and a 6'9 guy that, that played in a, and they kind of played a little bit of a 2-3 zone, almost dared you to shoot it a little bit. But um, it was a good matchup for us. Uh, Wendell rebounded well above his size and his height. You know, Joel matched up, Gaston messed up with the other seven-footer pretty comfortably. So, um, yeah, and again, we were, we were feeling good. We were, we were kind of uh, ready at that point. We had just played him, like, I think five days earlier. So um, we were confident going into it. And, um, yeah, you remember anything from that one? No, I'm just I'm very impressed with how you remember all the, the opposing team's players, though. That's, That's why awesome. he sits where he sits and we sit where we sit. <laughs> I wouldn't say all that, John. I think there's more to it. Well, the, after that game, then then – you got the first of two epic Mountain West Conference final matchups with BYU. And it was just an absolute war. You guys were down at halftime, I think, in that game, uh, if I remember correctly. I don't think we scored Oh, for we were a getting while. crushed yeah. out the gates. <laughs> you were down yeah. 10. Yeah. We couldn't make a shot. It was like last Saturday all over again. Uh, but you, you battled. Minus the good defense. Yeah, you battled through and, uh, and eventually pulled away. And you could just feel the momentum building. And, and you know, a lot of coaches complained and whined about the fact that the games were at the Thomas and Mac. I think that game and maybe the next year's final might be the only two times where the Rebels had even a, a, a small advantage playing at the Thomas and Mac. I don't. I mean, because the crowd was loud. Yeah, but there was tons of BYU yeah, fans. Yeah, there were there, both right. years. Yeah. Uh, they traveled good, uh, and and the, the conference was so good that everybody, traveled. every school yeah. traveled good. And again, it's an easy draw to Vegas. That's why I think there's multiple. Conferences that have their tournaments here is hey, let's go to Vegas for yeah. the weekend and bring all your fans from everywhere in Timbuktu included. Um, but I, I mean, I understand they could say that's an advantage, but since then it hasn't really been an advantage for us. And I don't think it, it has been. I, frankly, I think there have been times when it's been a disadvantage because uh, the games get called very, very tightly against the Runner Rebels because they don't want to show any bias. But anyway, about that <laughs> game, about that game uh, in particular, it was it was a war, and you guys in the second half really. Uh, did an unbelievable job. Well, I think that, yeah, that game, thinking back on it, I remember, you know, Wendell, Mike, uh, I just remember them having a huge impact in the second half. Uh, I don't think BYU could could match up with them too specifically. And uh, they Wendell and Mike took advantage of that. Uh, they, I remember they scored a lot of our points in the second half. Mike uh, made a lot of plays defensively in the second half. And uh, uh, I do remember, though, Curtis finishing out the game, you know, standing next to him for it. And, uh, but is that the game? Like, if we're going to talk about Mountain West Championship, you can't not talk about it, it, Are there any other conference championships where you might get hit with someone's shoe <laughs> as you're storming the court? Was that that year or the next year? That was the following year. That was the following If we're going to go all, down that all path. Sarah. I'm not going to mention any yes. names or anything, but there aren't a lot of rivalries where when people are rushing the court, there's someone standing and just trying to hit each one individually with her shoe. Mm-hmm. And, and some uh, very not appropriate <laughs> words that were directed from her mouth that was, to someone else's direction. That was direction. next year. That was the next no, year. We'll, we'll no, talk about that on the next retrospective show we Hopefully have. not. But, no, I mean, we definitely had more fans. Yeah. Uh, but 
I mean, they were loud. I remember that. They were loud. BYU fans were as loud as can be. And uh, as you mentioned, that semifinal night, I mean, when it's, you know, 16,000, 17,000 and it's, it's packed and the, the electricity, uh, there's not a better conference tournament atmosphere than when, uh, when those uh, Mountain West games were going. And hopefully we can get it back to that. Absolutely. You remember anything about the celebration after the win? Yeah, I remember lots of it. I still have people that come up and, and tell me that they were at that game. They stormed the floor. I know a couple people in particular that, that they stole some Gatorade towels when they were down there. Um, <laughs> No, but it was just a lot of fun. I think that's what it's about. I mean, jumping up on the scorer's table um, and celebrating that moment of what we achieved because that's what—that's really what you play for is that automatic bid, and you don't have to worry about it. Don't sweat it out. Um, it made that celebration that night that much better. Um, but, no, it was a lot of fun to be able to do that in the Thomas and Mac in front of the fans, um, and then it was even sweeter to be able to do it again the next year. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just – the greatest feeling ever, um, and, and, and hopefully we can do it again here soon. <laughs> I hope so. So you win that. You get the bid automatic, as you say, and uh, we head to Chicago and in the United Center, and you take on a football team. I will never, ever forget lining up for the national anthem, looking at the two teams, and there's you guys and, and Mike Ume and Joe Darger and, and Kevin, and, and then there's Georgia Tech over there, and they're all 6'4 to 6'8", Somewhere between two and two forty, and uh, it, it it looked like a mismatch, except for the fact that you were playing basketball, and uh, you guys did a great job. I think was it uh, Crittenden was on that team for them. Uh, they had two guys that were first round draft yeah. picks off that team. It was definitely a mismatch on paper for sure. Do so you um, remember their names? Oh, I definitely remember those guys' names. Um, <laughs> one of them had a much better career into his career than the other, yeah. but. I remember that trip, though, because we go to, you go to Chicago, and it was uh, St. Patrick's Day weekend. Yep. And that's when they, they dye the river. Yep. They dyed it green. And so you, we opened our like, blinds that morning and look out, and the river's green. And it was like, wow. Like, just the atmosphere there was just electric and to have the tournament there. And the fact that we were able to get that win and then go on and take down the Wisconsin Badgers uh, just made it that much sweeter. It was fun. I, the Wisconsin game, I remember, you know, I've told you, we've talked about it, the play, the inbounds pass, another bounce pass, uh, the inbounds pass from under the basket you to Wendell White. One of the greatest passes I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't remember that one, but uh, I do remember being the entire United Center being red. Yep. And uh, when we ran out on, the, out on the court, it sounded one way. And when Wisconsin ran out on the court, you realized who, uh, why everyone was wearing that red. Um, it wasn't little, for us. <laughs> it wasn't for us. We had our cheering section that was loud, but... Um, that was definitely a, a home-type atmosphere was for Wisconsin. Both games were close. I, f- I thought that the game plan that was put together and then the execution that you guys uh, exhibited against Wisconsin was as good as any runner rebel team has in, in I don't know how many years. Now, I remember that game uh, specifically. Uh, they had a player that wasn't... Alondo Tucker. I wasn't going to say his name because he wasn't known for being a defensive stopper. And oddly enough, I actually played with Alondo growing up Uh, in Illinois. We were both on the Illinois Warriors AAU program, but he was about scoring buckets at Wisconsin and uh, the game plan really because you only get a one-day prep in the NCAA tournament. You only get about an hour on the court in between and uh, the game plan was just attacking and and play and Mike, Curtis, Wink, um, guys that uh, he got switched off to were uh, did that just did a good job of that. A 30-win season. A great year. Thank you guys for spending some time and talking about it. Runner Rebels against New Mexico at the Thomas and Mac on Tuesday night. Come on out and join us. Keep your fingers crossed. And then, of course, the game on, on Friday night against Fresno State at the TNM. Thanks to everyone here at Bailiwick. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Ari. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good week. 
The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Rebel Sports Network.